We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. played this before let's play it again one of my direct subordinates one of my guys that worked for me he would he would call me up or pull me aside with some major problem some issue that was going on and he'd say boss we got this and that and the other thing and i'd look at him and i'd say good and finally one day he was telling me about some issue that he was having some problem and he said i already know what you're gonna say I said, well, what am I going to say? He said, you're going to say good. He said, that's what you always say. When something is wrong and going bad, you always just look at me and say good. And I said, well, yeah. When things are going bad, there's going to be some good that's going to come from it. Didn't get the new high-speed gear we wanted? Good. Didn't get promoted? Good more time to get better. Oh, mission got canceled? Good, we can focus on another one. Didn't get funded. Didn't get the job you wanted. Got injured. Sprained my ankle. Got tapped out? Good. Got beat? Good. You learned. Unexpected problems? Traditional mass. Papal motopropio. Good. We have the opportunity figure out a solution what happened last week drew some lines <clears throat> we're seeing who's who's we've seen a lot of bishops come to our side that's it when things are going bad don't get all bummed out don't get startled don't get frustrated if you can say the word good guess what means you're still alive what did job say read job blessed be god the lord taketh the lord giveth the lord giveth the lord taketh away blessed be the lord it means you're still breathing and if you're still breathing well now you still got some fight left in you saint john of avila when blessed be god when things are going bad or better than thousands when things are going good so get up Dust off, reload, recalibrate, re-engage. What can we do in this situation? Get your mind right. When you go to Mass, as one priest in a sermon said, maybe this will be my last. Isn't that exactly what the saints say should be the Mass? Say it or be or attend it as it is your first and last mass you'll ever be at. So right now they're helping us get our mindset to re-engage every mass as that might be your last mass you'll get to. 
focus refocus thank you for helping me get a little foot a little boost in your in your tush about this every match you might be saying this might be my last one who knows the bishop might come out and take it away okay good that one is your last one the one you're going to tomorrow the one you're going to today the one you're going down on sunday could be your last mass make it your last mass as that one priest said let's make it count we should have been doing that for everyone you've ever gone to now we're actually living that so every time you go go to mass as that is your last your priest say that mass as it is that might be your last it might be it might not be how's your mind right get your mind right on it go out on the attack They don't call us the church militant for nothing, right? We pray in more. That's our attack. How we, what are our weapons? The mass, the rosary, scapular, sacramentals, prayers after Thanksgiving. We should be all in right now. Every time. Again, is this your last mass? Is that your last traditional mass? Get in and give a good Thanksgiving afterwards. Make it count. Make every rosary count. Make every time you kiss a cross. Do you have a cross hanging down when you walk by? Kiss it. Maybe your kids start seeing you do that and they want to do it too. This should just this should skyrocket our devotion level. Evangelization too. Invite somebody. Hey, you know how many people have gone up to me in the last week or message or part of my sister's family has even asked, hey, what do you, what do you know what's going on with the uh, motor proprio? They don't even go to mass anymore. Because of the whole thing, what happened last year, because of everything, you know, the, uh, the non-essential stuff. Maybe they'll come back. It opens up tremendous doors of just evangelization evangelization for friends and family to come back in. Hey, check out what the, what's going on. Come with us. We're going. I thought this was great the other day. I've been reading The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass by Father Michael Mueller. By the way, every book that man wrote is fantastic. Get it. Uh, the links in the show notes. That's I'm putting the screenshot of where you can get it right now. In the section Mass, the sacrifice, a sacrifice of Thanksgiving, he writes, the ancient Christians saluted each other with these words, "Thanks be to God." Those very words were always in the mouth and heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and in heaven, as Saint John assures us, the blessed prostrate themselves before the throne of God to thank Him continually for all His benefits. St. Cyprian, on hearing the sentence of his death, said, Thanks be to God, and gave 25 gold crowns to the man who was to cut off his head. St. Lawrence thanked God on his gridiron. St. Boniface, in the midst of horrible torments, exclaimed, Jesus Christ, Son of God, I thank thee. St. Dulles, while he was being cruelly scourged, repeated, I thank thee, my Lord Jesus, for having deemed me worthy to suffer this for love of thee. There is nothing more holy than a tongue which thanks God in adversity. To say but once, thanks be to God, in adversity or illness is better than to say it several thousand times in prosperity. That's a St. John of Avila quote. Father Martinez, a Jesuit who was called the Apostle of Peru because of his zeal for souls and his indefatigable the, the, and the, because of his zeal for souls and his tireless labors in that providence, 
used to say daily 400 times and often 600 times, Deo gracias, thanks be to God. And he had some beads on purpose to be accurate. He tried to induce others to practice the same devotion and declare that he knew there was no short prayer more acceptable to God if only be uttered with devout intention. At the beginning of that chapter, he recounts of a lady named Emily Letard of Mersales, who died in Rome. Anyway, she went to a redemptress priest in France and begged the, break the priest to basically get her uh, influence to help with this uh, idea of hers on Thanksgiving, uh, promote or the motive that she was doing. But anyways, the chapter goes, Ah, madame, exclaimed the redemptress. It was a good thought to try and stir up men's hearts to the spirit of Thanksgiving, for there is nothing more wanted in the world. The story of the nine lepers is going on just the same these 1800 years. I have been 40 years a priest, and during that time I have been asked to say masses for every sort of intention, but only once have I been asked to say a mass of thanksgiving. Yes, truly, the story of the nine lepers is being enacted now, as in the old days when Jesus exclaimed sorrowfully, Is there no one but this stranger found to return to give thanks? Father Mueller goes on to say, The duty of thanksgiving seems to be forgotten by most men, even by the good and pious. It would not be easy to exaggerate the common neglect of this duty. There is little enough for prayer, but there is still less of thanksgiving. For every million of paters and aves which rise up from the earth to avert evils and to ask graces, how many follow after in thanksgiving for the evils averted or the graces given? Men are grateful to their fellow men, grateful even to animals. But to be thankful towards God, their greatest benefactor, seems unaccountable to have fallen out of most men's practical religion altogether. If we have reason to pity God, if we may dare so to speak with St. Alphonsus, because men sin against his loving majesty, still more reason have we to do so when we see how scantily and how cold are the thanksgivings offered up to him. The sin, this sin of ingratitude, says St. Bernard, is an enemy of the soul that entertains it in every way, depriving it of the good it has required. And preventing the acquisition of more. It is a scorching, a scorching wind that drives up the sources of piety, the streams of mercy, and the torrents of grace. I have an extreme hatred of ingratitude because it is a murderer which directly attacks the soul's salvation. And in my opinion, there is nothing in religious and in persons who practice piety so displeasing to God as ingratitude for his benefits. Why is it that often God does not grant what we ask of him with the greatest earnestness? Is his power weakened? Are his riches exhausted? Has his affection for us waned? Alas, no. The true cause is that we do not thank God for his benefits. There are few who thank him as they ought for his favors. That was St. Bernard. St. Irenaeus goes on and says, The ungrateful man is a vessel of ignominy into which God pours the gall of his anger, while the grateful man is a vessel of election and honor, into which he continuously pours the precious waters of his grace, making him a great instrument of his glory. I go on. The chapter is fantastic. And the book is roughly 600 pages. Get it. 
Anyways, we'll continue with Jocko. Okay, so we're in a rough patch right now. Let's see what uh, Jocko has to say on this. I know what he's going to say because this is what every coach, if you ever play ball, will tell you to do. And it's it's pretty easy sometimes to to feel beaten when you're faced with all those issues and all those problems and they all hit you at the same time. But let me tell you, that, that doesn't mean give up. In fact, it means the opposite. It means it's time for you to fight harder, to dig in. It means it's time for you to go on the war path. And that starts with one of the fundamental laws of combat leadership, prioritize and execute. What's the biggest problem? Well, what's causing the most stress? Family? Okay. Sit them down. Explain where you are at. Be blunt. Be upfront. And then give them the simple plan of how you're going to get things back on track. Don't sugarcoat it. You give it to them straight. Next, you got some... As, you know, with our bishops and priests, don't sugarcoat it. Give it to us straight. Again, it goes back to the leadership of the way. That one priest out in Arizona who, who apologized in front of his parish for closing down said it will never happen again. And here's what he's going to do. We need that across the board. Talk to your boss. Face it. Tell him that you're going to step up your game. Tell him you're going to be at work early. You're going to be at work late. You're going to be at work during lunch. You're going to be wherever you need to be whenever he needs you to be there. You can do that as a diocese priest. I'm not telling people what to do, but I mean, you can do this as that way. Say, hey, I'm going to be the best in the diocese. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I want to be the best, just like on a team. You're going to be the practice early. You're going to get leave practice late. You're going to be the first one away from You're going to be the last one out. You're going to cut the lights on. You're going to cut the lights off. Again, if you played any ball, you know what we're talking about on this. If you've done anything like this. The problem with a lot of this in the, in the trap movement is probably a lot of guys have never either been in a fight or been in a game or played ball or played a sport or whatsoever. So you miss this opportunity in life to figure this out, this part out. You go through homeschooling the whole way. It's kind of cush. And then you get to a seminary and you go in maybe, I don't know, or you just go from uh, homeschooling to you get married at an early age, which is great. But you don't get this adversity like this, these little life lessons. So we're seeing a lot of people kind of get a little upset right now about this, not knowing what to do. Tell him you're going to get after it and tell him that you're 100% committed to supporting him and the company and the mission. I've seen people on Twitter. The funny thing is I've said if you uh, if you get more... Uh, uh, calluses on your fingers from tweeting and less on your knees. There's a problem right there. I've seen people on Twitter saying that uh, priests in certain orders need to go at the bishop and just basically burn bridges. Anybody with two working brain cells knows that's a dumb idea. It's just a bad, bad idea. You get on their side and you work this out to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. You don't create problems. And then you get started. And I'm going to tell you right now, it won't be easy. 
it will be hard because life is hard. That's what life is. A lot of us don't know that we maybe we'll drive, maybe we'll move to a parish. We don't want to fight. We moved to not fight. It's kind of like the old Irish in the, when they came over to the United States. They left the persecution and came over. They didn't want to deal with it anymore. And these challenges, these challenges that you face. Remember, converting your area, converting your neighborhood, converting all that is not going to be easy. But you got to do it. You got to get started on it. They're going to do their best to take you down. Even your own will do that. Do not let them. Stand up. Dig in. Line up those problems and conf. I've had guy. I've got haters out there. You know. I. I. You know. I think about a tweet. I don't. I've had guns pulled at me point blank range over a foul on a basketball court. You think a tweet bugs me? You got to get that mindset. Front them. Face them. Fight them. Do not let them bring you down. In fact. In fact. Let those challenges raise you up. Let them elevate you. Let their demands and their trials make you stronger. Iron sharpens iron. Let the adversity you face today turn you into a better person tomorrow. So, so in the future, you look back at these struggles and you say to them, thank you. You made me better. What we say about Deo Gracias, St. John of Avila. I thought that, I saw this clip and I thought, what about if we start thinking, because a lot of people haven't thought about maybe they're the Catholics of the past. Even Michael Matt brought those guys up, you know, the Cristeros. The Vendée, etc. Think about these guys when you hear this. Imagine what Eugene Sledge that we talked about tonight. Imagine what he went through on Peleliu in the tens of thousands of Marines. Like maybe De Valette from Malta. That suffered that unimaginable horror. And then you imagine Hackworth. Maybe John who we talked of about Austria. Here. Who wrote about face assaulting enemy positions in Korea and he was wounded over and over again and on the line and still went back for more. And then you got Alan Seeger, the poet, who in World War I went over the top over and over again to make his rendezvous death. And there's been thousands. And hundreds of thousands and millions of warriors that have been in very stressful situations and faced evil and faced death much worse than the situation I'm in or you're in that we might consider stressful. And I even did this when I was overseas, when I was on deployment. Think about the English martyrs. We're doing that momentous English martyrs confessors. Think about the stories from there. Nobody I know, nobody you know is getting quartered right now. 
There's no priest getting thrown in jail and hung and their hearts cut out. Think about the Irish and the penal laws. Having threatened of getting killed if they're if they're getting told, if they if they're found having mass even outside on a rock, the mass rocks. Think about our brothers and sisters in the Middle East who risk getting their churches bombed just because they're having mass in there. When I was a combat leader, I was feeling stress. And you know what? We took casualties and it was awful and it was heartbreaking and But there were other soldiers and warriors throughout time that had been in much worse situations. Gettysburg or Vicksburg or the Battle of the Bulge. And, and all those horrible situations, they prove really that humans can withstand almost, almost unimaginable stress. Which meant to me that I could too. And you can. And, and the first step for me is doing that, taking that look to gain some perspective. And then in order to gain perspective, you've got to do something that we already talked about. You've got to detach. You've got to detach from the problems or the stress that you're experiencing so that you can get that perspective of them. Now, there's a couple different types of stress. Now, if it's something that you can control that's causing you stress, well, why aren't you getting control of it? Generally, it's a lack of discipline. So you gotta have the discipline to grab control and make it happen. And when I say you need discipline for that, what that means is these stresses that you're avoiding, they're not going to go away if you avoid them. So take the discipline to face the stressful situation. Get ahead of it. Don't be afraid of it. Now, there's also stress that's caused by things that you cannot control. And if you remember talking earlier about artillery, and how horrible that was and what made it so horrible was that there's no control over it. So if you can't control something and you can't get control of it, you have to at least embrace what you can. And I'm not saying you're going to embrace artillery shelling, but I'll tell you what, when it comes to things like artillery or for us in Ramadi it was IEDs. And we could do everything we could do to mitigate that risk. But eventually, there's only so much you can do and you cannot completely eliminate it. But you can't control it, so why are you gonna worry about it? Why are you gonna stress about it? If there's something that's completely beyond your control, you cannot, you've gotta detach from it and not let yourself get stressed about it. And on top of that, if it's something that you can't control, how can you look at it in a different light? How can you see it in a way that you could actually take advantage of it? How can you take that stress and make it into some kind of ally? You know, the, the chaos of combat. 
is something that I couldn't control, but I had to embrace it so I could try and figure out how to take advantage of it. So when it comes to stress, don't fight it. Turn it on itself and use it. Use it. And use it to make yourself think more and learn more and get better. And use that stress as a catalyst to make yourself better. What can you do? Can't do anything about Rome? You can do something about yourself. You look in the mirror. You can do something about that person in the mirror. Pray more. Pray better. Go to Mass more. Go to Mass better. Remember we said that back in the, uh, uh, what the one priest did a sermon on his life. His, I think it was first Christian Mass might have been his last. And he said, maybe that's my last one, so let's make a count. Every Mass, every Rosary should be that, mind, that kind of mindset. Everything you do should be that kind of mindset. This might be my last day. Let's make it count. This might be my last hour. Let's make it count. This might be my last minute. Let's make it count. Everything you do, that's your that's that's what you can you have control over all that. What books you read? Get Jesus King of Love by Father Matteo. He gives a lot of great pointers in that. It's the reason why no one talks about that book right now. It's hard to find. Get do start start doing the night adoration at the home. I have it on the website. You can get that book easy. It's a little book. So hour-long adoration at the home. People in, Mateo, in Father Mateo's time, when he was preaching on the enthronement, wanted to do more. So they were asking, what can we do more besides praying at the church? So he came up with this little thing on adoration at the home. Every person in your family can get involved every hour of the night between 9 and 6 in the morning. We had, there's a sermon that talks exactly about this. By the way, it talks about praying for the Pope in that too, which... We don't do a lot of. We need to do more of. There's a lot of things we can do. Worrying about it does nothing. I put this one in. It's the entire show, but I'm not going to play the entire show. They're going through the standards with Navy. And I think it was the Army that has it as well. Maybe it's just Army, Navy and Marines. I can't remember. I listened to it the other day. So much things that happened. And it goes a scale. One, a one to five scale. Five is basically your perfect i mean you are the <laughs> there's things about you that no one else has one is basically you're 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 not that good so anyways what happened the gist of this this guy comes in and tells jocko hey man why am i not a five and he reads him the list and he goes you know 4.0 is pretty darn good marine 3.0 is a really good human being and he goes let me see what 5.0 and it's it's almost you know did you did you were you number one in your PT were you number one in this were you were are you someone that they come to for advice and you're able to give that advice within like twenty seconds you know things like that and articulated perfectly and the guy goes well yeah I guess I'm not a five zero that's what I think makes this makes this interesting is to to consider that statement eminently qualified can think about that again he's going secular can you think about that self-evaluate yourself as a catholic and think about where you're at and you're you're not at the top i'm not at the top none of us are at the top who can be but what are we striving to be 
what are we striving to be? Are we striving to be the most eminently qualified human being that we can be? Do you even know what that means? Do you even have those thoughts in your head? I'm guessing you don't. I barely do. I know I've had vague thoughts. I know I had definitions that floated around in my head of what I was trying to be, what I'm trying to be today. But why aren't those solid? Why aren't they? I was I was thinking about this. I was talking to Dave Burke. Good deal, Dave. Yeah. Good deal, Dave. And I was like, hey, we need to build this. They're basically an evaluation system for humans to become eminently qualified as a human. What does that look like? Not only to grave yourself, but to actually know what you are trying to be. I have that book right here. It's called The Code, The Evaluation, The Protocols. Striving to be an eminent, qualified, eminently qualified human. The code, number one, I will take care of my physical health by exercising, eating properly, and getting the rest I need to recover and rebuild. I will take care of my physical surroundings, keeping them in order. That includes making your bed. I will develop myself mentally by reading, writing, drawing, building, creating, and engaging in other activities that sharpen and expand my mind. Spiritual reading. I will not waste time. That's number three. Time is precious. St. Alphonsus has sermons on that. Four. I will not waste money. I will make prudent financial decisions. Money is hard to earn. Five. I will set goals that I will strive towards. Six. I will excel in my job because work is integral to my life. Seven. I will be humble and not allow my ego to negatively impact my decisions. That's a hard one to get out. Eight, I will control my emotions, will not allow my emotions to negatively impact my decisions. Another one that's hard. I, you're truly, I gotta work on that too, yeah, we all do. Nine, I will put others before myself. I will help other people and protect those that cannot protect themselves. I will take care of my friends and family and treat other people with respect. That should be code for that. that that should be not even thought of as a cat. We, we should be able to do that second nature immediately. Do it. 10. I will be ready to protect my friends and family. My gear will be ready. I will train and prepare to defend myself and others. The rest of the book goes into a little deeper explanation of those. I bring that up because think about Garcia Moreno's rule of life. I got it framed on the desk over here. Number one, every morning when saying my prayers, I will ask specifically for the virtue of humility. Number two, every day I will hear Mass, say the rosary, and read besides a chapter of the imitation, this rule, and the instructions. To keep myself as much as possible in the presence of God, especially in conversation, so as not to speak useless words. I will constantly offer my heart to God and principally before beginning any action. Four, I will say to myself continually, I am worse than a demon and deserve that hell should be my dwelling place. When I am tempted, I will add, what shall I think of this at the hour of my last agony? Number five, in my room, never to pray sitting when I can do so on my knees or standing. Practice daily little acts of humility, like kissing the ground, for example. 
desire all kinds of humiliations while taking care at the same time not to deserve them, to rejoice when my actions or my person are abused and censored. Six, never to speak of myself unless it is unless it be to own my defects or faults. Number seven, to make every effort by the thought of Jesus and Mary to restrain my impatience and contradict my natural inclinations to be patient and amiable, even with people who bore me, never to speak evil of my enemies. Eight, every morning before beginning my work, I will write down what I have to do, being very careful to distribute my time well, to give myself only to useful and necessary business and to continue it with zeal and perseverance. I will scrupulously observe the laws of justice and truth and have no intention in all my actions save the greater glory of God. Number nine, I will make a particular examination twice a day on the, my exercise of different virtues and a general examination every evening. I will go to confession every week. Number 10, I will avoid all familiarities, even the most innocent, as prudence requires. I will never pass more than an hour in any amusement, and in general, never before 8 o'clock in the evening. Now, not, not verbatim to what Jocko just said, just, uh, I just read from his thing. Really good, really close. we got to set our standards. So, Dave and I will work on that, so stand by to get some. And until, until we do get that out, then think about, think about, are there areas that you know what the goal is that you're walking around thinking that you deserve a 5.0, but you really actually, you really actually deserve a two. I know I do that. Yes. Right? Yes. I'm I'm thinking I'm good. I'm walking around. I'm thinking I'm running everything right. I'm thinking I'm I'm thinking I come correct. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. But the reality is I don't. Yeah. And and the reality is you have that little moving goalpost in your head. You move it around a little bit, right? You give yourself right. a little bit more slack one day, then you tighten it up because you're feeling good the next day, then you slack it off a little bit more. But as far as you're concerned, that's a five oh, right? right? You're there. Yeah. You're in there. And the reality is I don't measure up the way I should be measuring up on a daily basis, yeah. on an hourly basis. Who's grading me? Who's lying to me? You know who is? Me. Yeah. Me. But until we clarify what the aim is, what the goal is, and what those standards are, how am I supposed to hold myself accountable to those standards when they don't even exist? So I'm going to make them exist. Yeah. I'm going to put them in. I'm going to put them on paper. Yeah. We're going to come up with that eminently qualified human being. What that looks like, because we all got we all got ideas floating around up there. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring it. Bring it. I'm going to. If you want that uh, Garcia Moreno one, I'll have it in the show notes. It's on the ReginaProfetorum.org website in the document section. Now, back to the motor proprio, which we haven't really left. The first thing a lot of people did was get angry. You saw these tweets out there. Everyone was just mad. I get it. I realized that losing your temper was a sign of weakness. As soon as I, re as soon as I made that connection, I, I said to myself, this is weak. I'm going to try not to do it anymore. And, and what's weird is when you're a kid, I don't know if you remember this, but when I was a kid and you'd see someone get angry and it, it made you afraid. Mm -hmm. And so 
for a while, I saw it as like a power. You know, it's kind of a way to achieve power Mm -hmm. that you can lose your temper and then all of a sudden you have this extra strength. And so when you're a little kid, and when I say a little kid, I mean, when I was 13, 14 years old, I thought, hey, if I go, if I could get that rage going and people are scared like I used to feel, that's a positive thing. And then, like I said, as I got older, now you you know now you're talking 16, 15, 16, 17. I realized, hey, this isn't this isn't cool. This isn't strength. It's actually weakness. Mm-hmm. And when I realized it was weakness, and I didn't realize that overnight, but I started getting the idea that that was weakness. And now, when you see someone that is in control, and even when bad things are happening, they're they're you know they're they're standing stoically saying, okay. Let me take another look at that, and I'll get it done. You know what I mean? When they're just, okay, then you realize, okay, this guy is really unflappable, which is a lot more impressive. So, again, you got to be able to detach from this. And, you know, I like to take pride in the fact that I'm going to keep my cool no matter what happens. And definitely, once I was in the, once you're in the SEAL teams, you definitely want to be that guy that's keeping your keeping your cool no matter what's happening, yeah. whether it's people are doing the wrong thing or you just want to be the guy that's hey okay come back over here we need to redo this. You just want to be that guy. Yeah. That's way more impressive than the guy that says I can't believe this. Don't be that person. So, and I've talked about this before. What are the pre-event indicators that? show you or reveal to you that your temper is about to be lost what are they is it you clench your fists right is it you raise your voice and you start doing doing that stuff do you start the heavy breathing do you you flare your nostrils right because that's an animal thing where you're going to take in more oxygen so you open up the nostrils because you're about to get after it do you you know use your does your your head you know shaking or whatever just like these things what is it what indicators do you have when you know that you're starting to feel that? And as soon as you feel that, you you detach. You go, oh, that's what that is. That's an indicator. And it's a weakness. Mm-hmm. And I don't like weakness. So I'm not going to allow it. And then, you know, take a breath. I like to say, you, you know what? Here's a good one. You, wanna, you want to get through that, that moment. Mm-hmm nod your head slowly in the affirmative, right? So yeah. so when someone's telling me something that's making me mad, mm-hmm. I'll just slowly nod my head like, <laughs> okay. I understand. Yeah. This is the way things are. I accept this. Mm-hmm. And this is, I'm calculating what my next move is going to be. You're married. You do this all uh, the time. And then, you know, you see, whatever, you know, guys will count to 10. You know, you tell your little kids that. Tell your little kids when they start losing their temper, you know, you need to count to 10. Mm-hmm. Count to 10. Count to 100. Count to 1,000, whatever it is you got to do, mm-hmm. and get control because, like I said, if you're losing control, it's not strength, it's weakness. St. Francis of Sales had a terrible uh, anger. He had a, he had a small, short fuse. I have a short fuse. My dad had a short fuse. Come from a long line of short fuses. A lot of saints I like had short fuses. They used to say that he had, uh, they found his desk with claw marks underneath. But he was cool as the other side of the pillow when what people saw it in his head. Pray to him to ask for some help in, the, in situations like that. Don't lose control. Work on that. Practice it. Everything you do, you got to practice at it. Take some time. The main thing of all of that is discipline. What does needed. discipline really mean? 
you know, besides waking up early and how do I employ it to all aspects of my life? What does it really mean? Yes, discipline, it, it, it does start with waking up early. It really does. But that is just the beginning. And I always say that discipline is the root of all good qualities. But you have to absolutely apply it to things outside of just waking up early. It's, it's everything. It's working out every day, making yourself stronger and faster and more flexible and healthier. Discipline is eating the right foods to fuel your system. You can throw in, because he's not, because he's going secular again. You can also say reading the right books. Not being on Twitter when you want to be on there for five hours a day. Not being on Facebook. Not watching TV all day. It, it's about disciplining your emotions. So When time to pray, you're time to pray. When you want to go to adoration, you go to adoration. Your mind starts flirting. You work to get that mind back. You can make good decisions. It's about having the discipline to control your ego so your ego doesn't get out of hand and control you. It's about treating people the way you would want to be treated and, and doing the tasks that you don't necessarily want to do but that you know will help you or help your team. Maybe you don't want to pray that that hour. Maybe you don't want to stay after Mass for Thanksgiving. You want to go out and hang outside and talk to your friends. You have to have the discipline to stay in after Mass and give good Thanksgiving. Thank God for everything that he's given you. It's about facing your fears. It takes discipline to face your fears so you can conquer them. what discipline is. Discipline means taking the hard road, the uphill road to do what's right for yourself and for other people. It's so often the easy path. The easy path that calls to us to be weak for that moment, to break down for that moment. Give in to the desire and the short-term gratification. What do our Lord say? But the cross. discipline will not allow that. The discipline calls for strength and fortitude and will. It won't accept weakness. It won't tolerate another breakdown. Listen, li read the lives of the saints. You'll see that in all of them, especially towards the end of their lives. Maybe not at the beginning, but definitely towards the end. Think St. Maximum Colby didn't have discipline when he was in prison? The discipline can seem like it's your worst enemy. But the reality is Discipline is your best friend. It will take care of you like nothing else can. And it'll put you on that path. The path to strength and health 
and intelligence and happiness. And most importantly, it'll put you on that path to freedom. Think about priests and religious. They have to say the brevi every day at certain times, pain of moral sin. That's discipline to do that. It's discipline to wake up and say mass. It's discipline for, to get the family up, to have everyone make the bed, to get in the car, to get to mass. It's discipline to get all the people in the all your family in the car to get the confession. Finally, just because people have asked, how do you work on discipline? How do you get it? It's not something you just snap your fingers and do it. You got to work at it. You got to will it. Almost like Saint Thomas says, how you become a saint? When his sister asked me, is you got to will it? It's like the desire to have. You have to want it. It's like again, played ball. I got was playing six hours a day. I would make sure that I made not shot made. 500 three-point shots from five different positions. And that's after I was inside the arc, hitting 100 shots inside in that eight different positions. And on top of that, free throws. If somebody actually would have taught me how to work out and eat at that time when I was a teenager, 20-year-old, I might have actually gone somewhere better in Juco, but I was a little 150-pound shrimp at the time because I just played all the time and didn't know anything else. When I get the baseball, threw a ball to a wall by myself. Wasn't going to ask anybody else. I had to want it. You had to have discipline to go out there, to get a bag, to go out there and throw it against a wall that was probably two feet tall. And if you missed it, well, darn it, you had to go over there and pick the ball up. Run the hills, run the steps. You know, people were, if you ever, if you know anything about sports, you always heard about people that were practicing when they coaches weren't looking. My brother, for example, when we were in college, him and uh, our best friend as a pitch, my pitching coach, we, he'd go out, they'd go out there at night, 10 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and start hitting, the, start hitting off the tee for an hour, working on, his, working on his swing every day. We'd go and work out at night after practices. You have to want to do it. You just can't get up and say, I'm doing it. Same thing with the faith. You, want, you have to want to read a book. A good book on the faith. You gotta want. You gotta want. Be able to, to love the faith. Want to know it. You got to, to want to know it. You gotta love something. If you love the church, you're gonna want to learn more about it. So read about these lives that are saved. So grow to love. You'll grow to love them. Then you'll want to learn more. That's discipline to just say, all right, now I can. But you also got. You can't. You know, sacrifice your family for it. You gotta have the discipline to be able to say if the kids are crying to put down that book or put down the rosary or something to go take care of whatever the kids doing, and fit, make sure they're okay, and then get back into the routine wherever you was doing beforehand. Get the desire to have discipline. How do I get the desire to have discipline? I, I keep getting asked this type of question. How do I get discipline or how do I want discipline or how do I maintain discipline? And the answer, it's, it's a simple answer, but obviously it's not easy. And there's all, all kinds of little tricks and methods that people talk about. And, you know, they have some merit. You know, maybe they do work. These these things, you know, do the little things people say and, and wake up early. I say that and write things down and take cold showers and t tell everyone what you're going to do. 
So broadcast it and make promises or, or make bets with, with your friends of something that you don't want to lose. And, and those things, those ideas, they're, they're cool. I'm sure they're going to have some impact. And if they work for you, that's, that's awesome. But, but the fact of the matter is that the reason discipline is hard to maintain is because it is hard to maintain. That's what makes discipline hard. It's hard. And if you hear me claim that discipline is easy for me, then straight up, that's just my ego talking. Yep. That's what that is. Because I'm unfortunately just as human as everyone else. And it is work to maintain the discipline. That's what it is. Work. Holding the line. Maintaining the standard. Giving no slack. None. That's the discipline. That's the discipline. And it is hard. And if there's one thing I would say that does make it easier, it's to envision what it feels like when you're done. What it feels like after you've worked out or you've held the line on your food intake or you've pushed through some monotonous project that you have to do and all those things when they're done they feel good and contrary to that envision what you will feel like later when you let the discipline slack you know the feeling feeling weak and defeated and you know that you're falling behind So get to know those two different types of feelings and ask yourself which one you want to feel in 10 minutes or in a half an hour. When, when the thing is done, when the discipline has been implemented. Think about Lent. Remember what that feels like and then remember that those minutes and those hours they turn into weeks and months and years and holding the line in those critical minutes will put you in an infinitely better place physically and mentally if you maintain the discipline that goes for us so work through the weakness fight through the temptation hold the line hold the line maintain the discipline it is not easy but it is worth it just like anything in life this catholic being a catholic is not easy but it is worth it pray hope don't worry yes pray it's a it's a it's a uh, bumper sticker people like doing but it's hard to do they're seeing a lot right now. It's easy to say a lot of things, but it's hard to do. The, the whole idea is it's supposed to be tough. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Pray, yes. Pray like it's 
like you never prayed before. Everything is everything is everything is neat. The world needs that prayer from you to survive. Hope, the virtue of hope. Don't let that hope die. People go, hey, you're giving black pill. No, black pills if there's hopeless. We are Catholic. We have hope. The news is bad all over the place. It's called white pill. There's hope involved because we're Catholic. We'll win at the end. We might get pummeled to the ground in the next few years. Probably will. Hold the line. Don't worry. Nothing to worry about. Look around. You got images of God and the saints, Christ and Our Lady. If you're doing everything right, you're living a good Catholic life, and you're trying, you're, you're doing everything you can and doing the best you can at it, and learning and loving and trying to bring people to the one true faith that outside of us is no salvation, and doing going to Mass as much as you can, preferably every day, but as much as you can, going to confession, living a sacramental life, reading good books, things like that, working on your kids' sanctity, it's nothing to worry about. Read the lives of the saints of the martyrs, Victory of the Martyrs by St. Alphonsus. Read that. That'll get you. That'll get you fired up for what's for you know thinking about times that we live in. We need those beautiful stories of the martyrs. The first half chapter, the first half the early martyr, early church ones. The second half the uh, Japanese martyrs. Beautiful stories. There was one guy. He was older guy. He was going to get you know, I think his head cut off, and he asked his uh, at the executioner so we can go get changed. And he got it. Went back home. He put his Sunday best on, and he went out and he came back in. That's another thing. You wearing your Sunday? You dressing up better for mass? Like most times, I go to mass, everyone's in golf shirts. Even at the trad mass, gotta be better. We gotta be better every day. Better. It's a desire for discipline. Work on it. Start with just making your bet every day. It's a stupid thing. This guy, if you want to check it out, he does. That. He even talks about making your bet. It's the first thing. It was a great. Great speech the Admiral Admiral did. Uh, for a briefly, uh, for time constraints, for a short for a time, I won't play it, but you can check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. Just remember, it's gonna it's it's bad now. Could get worse. Who knows? Pray, hope, don't worry. Work on yourself. Become saints. I look at this as a challenge. Step up to the challenge. But as the beginning of the thing says with John Cotter, goes, you have no idea how important you are. It's true. You have no idea how important you are. Stay the course.